Hey everyone, welcome back to Female Founder World. I'm Jasmine, I am the host of the show. And today I'm chatting with Lindsay, the founder of FYPM. I think I first found them on maybe like LinkedIn or Instagram. She's built basically a platform that's like glass door for creators. And I just think it's such an interesting business idea. The creator space is super interesting. We talk about how she kind of built this product and her experience with entrepreneurship in general, but also what brands need to know about working with creators. FYPM just released this list of the top rated and worst rated brands to work with according to influencers and creators. And there are just a few watch outs about how to kind of make sure you are near the top of the list if you're a brand working with those kind of folks. So I feel like that's really helpful. She also launched the business with a story on the front page of the business section of the New York Times. And we talk about how she managed to pull that off. So even if you are building a consumer business, like I know most of the people listening are, there's still a lot that you can learn from Lindsay. And then we kind of have a bit of a rant about the fact that influencers are the, like this space is just so uh, disrespected and like quite degraded and how there's been this massive shift and rebrand in the last couple of years And now it's the creator economy and now a lot of men are involved and now it's something to be respected and it's a really big, exciting opportunity and space. And I just think that's, you have to laugh, otherwise you would cry. So we talk about that a little bit as well. It's a really good chat. If you want to learn more about Lindsay and what she's building, I have put some links in the show notes. There's a space for brands to kind of get involved with the platform. You can benchmark your rates and you can learn more about best practices on how to work with influencers. And just like generally her point of view, her branding, the way that they're going about building this business, I think is just really smart and really interesting. So definitely check them out. Okay, let's get into the show. You are now entering Female Founder World with your host, Jasmine Grinesworthy. Lindsay, welcome to Female Founder World. It's so good to have you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. <laughs> I want to understand, I'm, I've been following what you guys are doing at FYPM for a little while, and I just think it's such an interesting business idea. But for people who don't know what you're building, are totally unfamiliar, give us like the elevator pitch. What are you guys creating? Yeah, so FYPM is essentially a glass door for influencers and content creators, similar to how like you know, if you're considering getting a new job, how do you decide if you want to work there or not and how much compensation you should ask for. So like we're, we're really like purpose built to fit the needs of this community because brand deals come in all shapes and sizes and your compensation depends on all sorts of things. It's like, what do they want you to do? Is it like a one-off post? Do they want you to create a video, which takes like hours to produce? Or do they want Mm -hmm. you to post a story real quick? Like how many followers do you have? Like that, that's generally not the most important thing, but it does matter a little bit. And like, what are the terms of the deal? Like, are you selling them the content? Are you letting them use it for a period of time, et cetera, et cetera. So, so basically like FYPM right now, it's just for content creators and their managers and they can join, look up different brands, read other people's experiences. It's all anonymous, by the way, inside. (laughs) And uh, Mm -hmm. just basically we're providing a tool that helps them get the information they need to make better partnership decisions for themselves. 
It's such a cool business idea. When I when I read about what you do, you were doing, I was just like, oh my god, of course this need to needs to exist. It just makes so much sense. I want to understand how you came to this idea. I was doing a bit of research. It sounds like you were in a really like just like a shitty phase of life for a little while, and that's kind <laughs> of what this incredible idea was born out of. And you managed to like pull it together yourself. Talk us through where you were and how this idea came to you. Yeah. So I've actually had this idea for like over 10 years. I used to do freelance modeling. In 2015, I actually won an Instagram contest. Uh, It was called hashtag cast me mark. And I was one of 11 people chosen from Instagram out of like over 750,000 people who entered to be the face of Mark by Mark Jacobs. And uh, I was, yeah, I was in an international ad campaign. I was on like billboards in Singapore. I was on a bus in New York. I was in like a bunch of magazines and I was everywhere. And for all that, I got paid a thousand dollars, which yeah, your (laughs) eyes, it sounds crazy now, but at the time, like that was, well, yeah, actually at the time and to this day, that's my highest paid gig ever. And on paper, I Mm. looked very successful. Like I was, I did New York Fashion Week. I was sold as wall art in Urban Outfitters. I was in Italian Vogue, like Vera Wang's website, you know, like all this stuff. And I never got paid for any of it. So I've always wanted this site to exist for that reason. And then, so I guess long story short, like there's no money in uh, freelance modeling. So I got a master's in finance, (laughs) get a real job situation, you know? And um, I started working on the buy side at a $25 billion investment fund. So I learned a lot about the markets, the economy. I like how to value businesses on the opposite end of the scale. I met with a bunch of Fortune 500 CEOs, got to ask them questions, basically like helped the fund decide, are we going to invest in this company or not? And then in the middle of all that, I started my online alter ego, Miss Young Professional, which is mostly a comedy about sexism in the workplace. And I started, I started posting memes and all that and like pictures of myself. Like essentially I would like use nice pictures of myself as bait. And then like the, in the captions, it's like not about the outfit. It's like a humorous (laughs) take on like all the messed up things women have to deal with in the workplace. Like I take like bad career. Yeah. Like bad career advice they give to women and I make it worse or do like role reversal. Like, like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hire men because I'm afraid I might sexually harass them. Poor me, (laughs) you know, like, like a stuff like that. Um, and I started gaining a following. And then with that, I started having brands reaching out to me and it it was the same thing. They did They still didn't want to pay me. So I was like, well, Uh this sucks. Like it just never ends, you know? So anyway, I ended up leaving that job and getting a job on the marketing team at Poopery. So I did their social media for a while and that was a really fun experience. But at the beginning of the pandemic, I, uh, I lost my job. And then over the Mm. next six months, I lost my house and my boyfriend and all my money. So I had to move back in with my parents. Oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to build this website that I've always wanted to exist. And I'm going to call it fuck you pay me because people will know exactly who it's for and who it's not for. And yeah. Yeah. And like during that time, my 
co-founder now was working on a, another project, but she kind of helped me figure out how to build the first um, MVP using no-code tools. So, yeah. Yeah, because I was, I was going to ask, like, you're not, you're not a technical founder. So, like, what did your first product actually look like and how are you kind of like scraping all this together? I'm so curious. And yeah. like a lot of the people who are listening to this show will, are people building consumer brands. It's kind of um, a little bit of a different space. And we're going to get to your tips about brands and working with influencers in a second. But mm-hmm. this is just so interesting to me. Like how do you put something like this out into the world when you're not a developer and you don't have any money at that time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have any money either. That's a good point. Um, <laughs> so... I basically what I did is I started, I created a type form survey to mimic the create a profile and add a review form that we use on FYPN. And I hooked it up to Airtable to create like a database of all of our users and information. And I created a landing page using Webflow. And Rachel, my co-founder, mocked me up some basic designs in Figma or no, this was not Figma. This was a different program. This was like Wireframe or something. And I sent it around to my immediate like network of influencer friends, like mostly other work were bloggers and meme pages. And I was like, hey, I'm thinking about building this website. Really curious what you think. Like, would you use it? Blah, blah, blah. And like, basically everyone was like, oh my God, finally. Thank you. Please do it. Like, yeah. And so I was like, okay. So I, 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 I sent them the landing page um, to sign up and fill out the forms. And um, through that, I was able to build up a wait list. I think about like 200 people with like some data before I made my first blog post. And the blog post was like, it was just, I did the, I made it. I'm so extra. I, I had like a whole photo shoot you know, of me in like a pink suit from theory. And I, (laughs) I was basically like the blog was titled, I'm starting a business. It's called fuck you pay me. And it was like, it's still up on my website. It was like the mantra, the, the mission that got everyone to sign up. And through that, I was able to get a much larger wait list, a much larger, I guess it, it doesn't seem that large now, but for not having a website, it's pretty large. I was I was able to get 100 reviews on the website by the time we launched our first MVP, which was this like pink thing. Like <laughs> it was it was great. It did what it was supposed to do, but it is nothing like what we're doing now and what what's in store for 2023. So, and I mean that's entirely the point of an MVP, right? Is like get it out into the world, get the feedback, and then and then create the actual thing. And I feel like 100 mm-hmm. reviews is a great start when you're like bootstrapping and just in that kind of proof of concept stage. Mm-hmm. I I want to talk about the fact that you have such a clear point of view because I feel like so many businesses like are missing that. Like you have such a clear stance, point of view. People who come to the come to your Instagram account go to your website, like know exactly what you're about. And your stance is very much like creator, being a creator is a job. Mm -hmm. They deserve to be paid fairly Mm -hmm. um, and compensated fairly and treated fairly like anyone else in the workforce. 
And it's wild to me that this is like a an unusual point of view. Like I feel like there's <laughs> still this kind of when I when I scroll through the comments section on stories about influencers and creators, people are so nasty. And like I, know. I don't know if it's like a jealousy thing or what's going on, but there's so much disrespect around that line of work. Why? Sexism. Plain and simple. Yes, it is a hundred percent, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it has it has a lot to do with sexism. Uh, I mean, like our entire economy is run off women's unpaid labor, and that's a fact. And just with mm-hmm. with the internet, it it's just every every inequity. Just oh, I could go off on a whole tangent on this. Like even even think about like what happened last year, or I guess two starting two years ago, where like the word influencer was rebranded as creator, you know? And with that, more men were like, I'm a creator. And now all of a sudden it's getting more respect. Like people associate influencers. Now it's the creator economy. Yeah. And it's it's worth investing in. And it's like the next big thing. And it's like... Women have been like running social media and the internet since since it began. Like we have been the mm-hmm. ones creating this content. We've been the ones reviewing brands. Mm-hmm. We've been the ones like giving each other advice through social media. And like mm-hmm. now it's the creator economy and mm-hmm. it's it's actually respected because men are involved. Yeah. Wild. It yeah, it's wild, but I'm like so unsurprising. You know, the same thing happened with software engineering. That started off as like menial women's work you know it's like Mm. entering data being very organized very precise and then all of a sudden like men were like oh like this is like kind of difficult and then they took over and now it's like (laughs) like now it's high like very highly paid and all this stuff it's 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 nonsense it's definitely some nonsense right there yeah, it's um, it's it's absolutely crazy, and it's so true. Like, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that rebrand between like influencer to creator and the this like creator economy shift, mm-hmm. uh, and how that kind of shifted as men started getting involved in the space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Yeah. Okay, so talk me through. You ju- you guys just released a um like a report which was the top brands and the lowest rated brands on the platform. And it is so pervy. I was like scrolling (laughs) through, really interested, really surprising, like who's on there at the top Mm -hmm. and who's on there at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll put the link in the show notes if people want to go and read that. They totally should. What are some of the things, let's say someone is out there, they're they're building a consumer brand. They want to work with influencers. They want to work with creators and they want to do it really well. Mm -hmm. What are the things that make a brand stand out and make somebody want to work with them and get them a good reputation? Well, the best way is to think about what, what you want, you know, like if, if you, like before you started your own business, before you started your own brand, what made you want to work for someone else or with someone else? Um, it's, it's a lot of the same things. It's like, you know, do they communicate well? Are they professional? Do they treat you with respect? Do they respect your work and your craft? Do they, you know, communicate expectations and deadlines clearly? Are they available for feedback? You know, like, do like, it's a two-way thing. Mm-hmm. That's mostly it. But with respect to like the best brands list, they all have these things in common and, and then some like, you know, there's opportunities for growth, you know, like you can grow with the brand, like 
and have the opportunity to make more money or, you know, change your role a little bit, like as a partner, like they really view, like they approach influencer marketing with like a partnership perspective. Whereas all the worst brands are pretty focused on getting creative assets for as cheap as possible, you know, and then they do all these Mm -hmm. little sneaky things like sneak in like perpetual usage rights into the contract, you know, or like they'll sign a deal or make a deal with the creator. And then they will decide after the content is delivered that they don't like it and they don't want to pay, you know? And it's like, what the hell? It's like showing up to work. And then like your boss, you know, a week, one week is like, I don't like what you did this week. So I'm not going to pay you, you know? That only happens in this industry, <laughs> like, like or yeah. maybe not just this one. Like, like I'm referring to like, you know, it happens a lot in this industry um, for sure. Yeah. And with like creative freelancers in general, I think there's like a, a thing around if you're in the creative space, for some reason your work is, I don't know, up for debate. Okay. That's, that's super interesting. What are some of the brands that are on the list at the top? Like who's, who's meant to be great to work with? Well, Adobe's number one. <laughs> They are awesome. It was, it was Adobe, Amazon. I can't remember the exact order. Hero Cosmetics was on there. I know she's been in this podcast. We've had you on the show. Yeah. We love her. (laughs) Yeah. Like they do a great job. There was Farah Pet Organics, Empress 1908 Gen, Samsung, Bob's Red Mill. Who am I missing? I'm looking at my... Okay, I think that's it. That's and we'll 10. put the whole link in the show notes. Michael's. But I was just curious, like, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, because it's just like, um, it's, I, it's, it seems like there's not like a through line necessarily between like the kind of brand maybe you would think would be on there and the kind of brand you wouldn't think would be on there. Mm-hmm. So that's super interesting. And we were talking before the show and you were like, oh, I was kind of going through your guest list to see how how the women-owned consumer brands that you've spoken with have performed. And mm-hmm. it sounds like they perform pretty well compared to yeah. all of the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting data point. I think. Yeah, me too. We're we're gonna have more more on that later this year. We we're working with a data scientist right now, who's helping us. Well, first he's helping us develop like the proprietary model that's gonna power our rate my offer tool that we're gonna release in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But we've also been gathering like a lot of really interesting insights on how things like gender, race, sexual orientation will like impact pay, like the pay gap in this industry. It's, Mm. it's a thing, especially between gender, especially with gender. So you're going to get, you're going to get so much great press from that. I just feel like those (laughs) data insights must be generating like really good press for you guys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully I hope people care, you know, cause they should. I mean, yeah. they, I feel like now they do. I feel like nothing's like, nothing's hotter than talking about the creator economy at the moment. So I think that you guys will definitely get a lot of pickup on that. For mm-hmm. brands who want to get involved and want to check out the platform, how do mm-hmm. brands get involved and how mm-hmm. do creators get involved? Right. So um, creators can just sign up to join at fypm.vip and brands and other, you know, marketing businesses can sign up to like for early access for our um, FYPM for business product, which we plan on launching in a few months. And we are still in the process of 
creating that and building that. So we're still very much in the process of meeting with different brands, asking them questions about their like their influencer marketing strategy and their needs, their pain mm-hmm. points and all that. Just trying to like we want to make a product that is useful for brands, something that helps give them some visibility into their own practices, like where they can, like what their strengths are, where they can improve, you know, and also like if they sign up, they'll be able to like manage a brand page and post like, um, you know, business updates, brand updates, communication, like contact me here or like links to like open job postings. And then also we're creating a, um, like a benchmarking tool as well. That's going to be built upon the same model for the influencer side that can, that where brands can like input like a, like their offer, or how much they pay and see if they are paying influencers below average on par or like above average, you know, and kind of like stuff Super like smart. that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And this is obviously going to be like a paid, this is going to be a paid product, right? Yes. Yes. But, um, so that's kind of, is, is that the idea about how you monetize the platform? It's like on the brand side, it's monetized. Yeah, we're going to try, we're going to try that first. So, <laughs> because like, I would like to keep it free for the creator, you know, for as long as possible. So we're just going to see if it works. If it doesn't, we'll do something else. We got lots of tricks up our sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I bet you've got lots of ideas. And you mentioned benchmarking before, and this is obviously like, I mean, probably an annoying question because it's something that it just changes wildly depending on the scope of a project. But like, what are what are the rates at the moment? Let's say somebody is creating UGC content, they don't have a following. So we'll take mm-hmm. that out of the equation. Mm-hmm. What kind of things impact how much somebody should be paid? And like, what are people paying for like reels or TikTok content versus still imagery now. What's yeah. what's fair? Yeah, so it basically it comes down to a couple of things. One, if if it's not just pure UGC, it has a lot to do with who you are, your brand power within your niche. So like it's not just about like I think people normally can use like they use follower count as like a proxy for your power within your niche, but if if you're like super niche, there's there's a cap on how many followers you'll get just because only mm, so many people yep. will be interested in what you're doing if if you blog about sand or something, you know, like whatever you're doing. <laughs> that that was a random one. Uh, I my undergrad is, is in geology, so I used to be a geologist. So okay. I, I, like, <laughs> I, I have the weirdest resume. Feels a little ever. less random now. Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I wrote like a my my master's thesis. I have two degrees in geology. I wrote my master's thesis. It's like a like a two hundred and fifty page long academic paper on sand off the coast of New Jersey. It's it'll put you to sleep if you're looking for oh my God, a okay. new sleeping pill. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but so it depends on like who you are in your niche, you know, and it depends on um, like who's asking, like who's it benefiting, whose brand is it benefiting more, the influencer's brand or the like the brand, like, is it a startup? They have like no brand, you know? So they have like no power. Is Mm -hmm. it a big, big, big ass brand? Sorry. Can I say that? Is it a big ass brand with a lot of power (laughs) that could like help your career somehow? They, they, they'll probably be willing to like take a little bit less for that. And that's fine because it can help your career and lead to other opportunities. And, you know, like you can always say no. So it's like, it depends a lot on that. It depends on like what they're asking for. Like, 
the way I like to think about it is high effort and low effort deliverables, like a video. Oh my God. I had like spent two days making like a 30 second video and it drives me crazy. <laughs> but like, is, is it like, is it a video or, you know, like a post with like a photo shoot and makeup and you got it? Like it's a whole, is it a whole production to produce the content or is it like a quick story, like an unboxing, you know, uh-huh. is it like, like, what are the terms involved? That's like the biggest one, probably like, are you trying to purchase the content outright, like perpetual usage rights and ownership? Or do you just want to like, do you want to whitelist it, like run it as ads on like put ad spend behind it and do it yourself? Do you want to, are you asking for exclusivity? So like they can't work with any of your competitors like that. Those are the things that go up and down. And a lot of these influencers are waking up to how they should think about like pricing themselves because at least when I worked brand side, like we worked with an influencer marketing company and like, I remember like my manager, like clicking this button, like, and it was like, I only want to work with influencers for a free product. You know, it just filtered out all the paid stuff. And it it's, it's like the, the tech before for like for micro influencers was like built upon exploiting this knowledge gap that the inexperienced mm-hmm. people don't have. So, and it, and for like a few years, it helped to like shave down like influencer rates. And so I'm like, A, when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, this is why I can't get paid, you know? And then I was like, it, so it just feels really good to bring it back up, you know? <laughs> yeah. And as, as this like industry, this, the influencer and creator industry like matures and becomes more professional, I feel like more tools like this. There's also another really interesting business called Creators Legal, which is basically like legal oh. zoom for, for creators and they help people basically with, figure out these contracts and they help brands work with creators and create their contracts. And it's just mm-hmm. interesting to me watching this space mature over the last couple of years. And I just think we're going to see a lot more tools and products like this. I'm interested to see what else happens in this space because there's been a lot of focus right now on those platforms that you spoke about, like, you know, matching, brand matching Mm -hmm. um, creators. And and like, we've got enough of those, there's a million of them, but there's now all of these (laughs) other kind of ways that as this industry becomes really professionalized and, and mature, all of these other opportunities to kind of bring services like what you're doing to the space, which is really interesting. Thank you. (laughs) How are you, um, how are you funding the business? You've, I know you raised a bit of money in 2021 and it sounds like you haven't needed a whole lot of cash, which is awesome. And looks like you're about Mm -hmm. to start monetizing through this paid product as well. What was the fundraising process like for you? What did you raise? How have you been using it? Fundraising was insane. I guess how it happened is we, we got lucky and we got an article in the New York Times uh, on the front page of the business section. And it was, oh, I have it right that's here. That's not luck. That's just, you have a great idea. Like, that's oh, not well, luck. Thank that's you. just the fact that you're working well, on something smart. The timing was lucky because we were mm. about to be at <laughs> zero. <laughs> but uh, here it is. <laughs> oh, the, amazing. Yeah. In your face app. Or wait. The title, yeah. So there, there I am, front page, New York Times business section. That was exciting, and uh, it's so we had that, and it was kind of like our, like our debut into society. What's that called? I should know. 
my a debutante. It was our debutante mm-hmm. ball, you know. I'm from Texas, so those things happen <laughs> all the time there. But <laughs> um, that was like our debut, and like it just like everybody went crazy. It was like all of a sudden everybody everybody and their mother wanted to talk to me and we got a lot more press. We got a lot of users signing up at the same time and we started fundraising at the same time. So we got a lot. It was just a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot all at once. So we were able to close that fundraising round in like a month and a half. And I guess like the most useful thing for other people thinking about raising a pre-seed round is like, I guess what we learned. So we we had a very strategic, I guess not a strategic method, but we, we wanted a, a mix of angel investors and funds. And our goal was to raise a million dollar pre-seed round, which is essentially idea stage mm-hmm. because like we had this MVP, but we weren't really tracking anything. So we didn't really know much about our usage and all that. Like not much other than like total number of signups, total users, total reviews, all that stuff. So we decided to raise a one and like, we just had a lot more validating to do, I guess is what I'm saying on the product. Like to find, we didn't quite have product market fit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we, our goal is to raise a $1 million pre-seed and we wanted to fill it with a mix of strategic angel investors and funds because uh, like the idea is like angels would provide some more like, strategic advice or expertise or, you know, like it's, it's great to be able to call the angels we have and ask for it. Be like, I'm facing, I'm dealing with this. What do I do? Cause they've like, like many of them are like founders themselves and they, they've been through it. Like this is hard. Building a business is hard. Every part of this is hard. So yeah, that's the other thing. Don't build a business <laughs> if you think it's going to make your life easier because it's not for like, I don't know, Facts. like 10, yeah, like like a decade or something, but it's it's really fun. I love what I do, so I have fun doing it. But anyway, we started off taking like like we filled up like half our round with like a mix of angels with like a bunch of angels and like two funds, and then by the time we got to the second half, it was like most funds who invest in that stage didn't want you know like they wanted more of the company because we our cap was like mm-hmm. ten million. Also, this was 2021 when valuations were crazy. They're not this crazy anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe you maybe anyone listening out there won't have this issue, but uh, they like most of the funds like we contacted for pre-seed were targeting like 10% ownership of the business. And we just didn't have that available at the end, but we did end up filling around and actually oversubscribing and raising our valuation a little bit. So we ended up raising a total of 1.35 million in about a month and a half. And it was Amazing. wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did the New York Times story come about? That's a dream. Did you pitch it yourself? Did you work with a publicist? Did they find you? So when I started FYPM and I was trying to figure out how to build the thing, raise money and, you know, make a useful product, I started following like more closely like a, like a bunch of the reporters in this field just to stay like ahead of the curve, like current events, stay, stay relevant, yep. you know, which is what you should do if you don't really have any users to talk to yet or customers to talk to yet. And I basically like, I, I knew f- like I wanted to talk to Taylor Lorenz at some point and I would just, I read all of her articles when she would tweet something and I had 
something to say about it. Not like spammy, like just just responding some some authentic, you know, inside. Like, yeah, yeah. And and then um, every time she would be like, like I'm writing a story about this. Does anybody? Is there someone out there who can give me a comment? I would, you know, that's how I kind of introduced myself. I was like, Hi, I'm Lindsay. I'm building this website. Like I do this, this, and this. Like this is what I've seen. You know, like here's my number if you want to talk. And then eventually, like, and for people for people who don't know Taylor, she's the like she's like an internet culture editor at the New York Times, or is she at the New she's York at, Times now or the Washington Post? She's at the Washington Post now. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of how I got introduced to her. Eventually, eventually, she noticed me, and and I got her on the phone, and then she was like, it was about something else, and then she was like looking at me and like the room I was in, I was in my sister's childhood bedroom at my parents' house. And she's like, I want to write a story about you. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So it was, it was, it was awesome. But I like, I did try to develop that relationship, you know, online. And um, yeah. And that just goes to show as well, how much of like press is just relationship building. Like these are, these are mm-hmm. people who gatekeep huge, like t- t- huge audiences. And you, if you can kind of like build a relationship with one or two people who have that huge influence, it really mm-hmm. does matter and it can really pay off. And the last thing I want to ask you, Lindsay, is just for a resource. So sometimes people will give us a book, a podcast, a habit that they have, just something that's been helping you as you've been building FYPM and that you think other people should kind of check out? Yeah, absolutely. So along that line of, uh, you know, following all the reporters on Twitter that are relevant to your space, you know, to stay relevant, every single morning for the past, like, five years, I, while I make my coffee and my breakfast, I listen to NPR podcast called Marketplace. It's, you can find it, I think, anywhere you can find a podcast, but it's basically, it comes out the, the night before, uh, or the evening before, after like the markets close and they just do a great job of summarizing that day's like economic and financial news. Like I, I obviously I used to work in like investment management. So when I left that job, I lost access to like Bloomberg terminal and fact set and all the other tools I would use to, you know, get like the information. And that's like, a, it's, it, it has kept me like in the right direction, just like, and, mm-hmm. and it really helps to uh, make sure my strategy and what we're doing is, is going in the same direction as the rest of the world, you know? So I try not to fight things. That's a great recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. So I highly recommend that here. I can show you like amazing a, a picture of it if you want. Um, and it's called Marketplace by NPR. Yes. Okay. This one. Okay. Awesome. Good to know. Yeah. I'm going to add that to my and, lineup. Amazing. Yeah. And like the past five years since I started listening to it, I've probably not listened to like a total of like three months of it. Like I've missed like three months worth of days of this podcast. It's so helpful. Okay. Okay. That's so good to know. (laughs) Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the Female Founder World podcast. I love what you're building. I think the mission is really cool. I think the way that you're going about Mm -hmm. framing it and building it and the brand piece of what you're doing is really cool as well. And it's just been amazing to hear your story. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, and if you're a brand and you're interested in early access or 
and and giving us feedback on our FYPM for business product, um, you can sign up to receive updates and invitations to all that fun stuff at fypm.vip slash brands. So thank you. <laughs> okay, we're going to definitely have that in the show notes so people can check it out. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into that episode of Female Founder World. I hope you loved it. I hope you loved chatting with Lindsay. We are dropping episodes every week on Mondays. I hope that you guys are enjoying the cadence of the show. If there's anyone that you want to hear from, send me a DM. I'm on Instagram at Jasmine Garnsworthy and we are at Female Founder World as well. I'd love your recommendations of different founders that you think would be cool to chat with and that you guys want to learn from. All right. Have a good one. I'll chat with you in the next episode. 